It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, and that means it's time for Guys Guys Radio. We've got a great show for you today. Now, we're not going to take on a, a happy topic today, but we're going to talk about a real topic because the whole theme of Guys Guys Radio is where men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And part of winning is knowing how to deal with all the different situations we face with in this life. And one of those situations that everybody's going to encounter with other people and then ultimately with themselves is is death. So we have a special guest on uh, the show today. His name is Joe McQuillan. He wrote a book uh, called My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. And Christopher is his son. He was 21 years old and he he passed over by uh, way of a... Uh, accident in a canoe uh, on a frozen lake, and uh, it's a very sad story. Yet Joe, who was not a real spiritual guy, managed to keep up his relationship and actually strengthen it through working with channels and mediums to contact his son, Christopher, and they just keep this ongoing relationship and dialogue going. And it's really, uh, it's an amazing book, and it's an amazing story, and Joe's an amazing guy, so I can't wait to... uh, speak to him and share his story with you because I think it'll open up your minds and hearts about what happens when people pass. You know, so often in this life, people are religious and uh, they go to church all the time. And then when somebody dies, they fall apart or or they just are stoic because they're emotionally constipated or whatever. But people have a hard time in Western culture dealing with death. And uh, it, it's understandable because it's something we kind of avoid in terms of having discussions uh, within a family, within friends. But ultimately, it happens. Everybody's known somebody, you know, you were in school, grammar school or high school, and somebody got killed in a car crash or somebody overdosed on drugs. And then somebody very young, when you go to college, somebody gets an aneurysm or cancer or whatever, and and then a good friend dies, and then maybe a parent or a sibling or worst of all, a child, which is Joe's story. And a lot of times we don't know how to handle it. What do we do? And it just happens and we have to take it, take it on right away. And there's not a lot of training for it. You know, we go to school and we learn a lot of different subjects, but we don't learn how to manage our money. We don't learn how to treat other people and we don't learn how to deal with life and death. So one of the things we want to do on Guys Guys Radio is, is to expose everybody to different ideas. And you can say, hey, that's for me. Or maybe you'll say, hey, it's interesting, but, you know, I got to roll the way I roll, which is cool. Let me tell you about my experience growing up and dealing with death. You know, when I was a kid, 12 or so, and I was a kid on my block, and uh, one day he started to get he started to get into drugs, and then he wouldn't talk to anybody. He would just walk, uh, he would leave the street we lived on a dead end, and he'd walk out, and I'd say, hey, hey, and I'd call out his name, and he wouldn't respond. And I always used to play with him. He was younger than me, but he was a cool kid, and he used to be great at climbing trees, and we had forts in this woods and everything, and he was a cool kid. And then he got involved with drugs, and then he became totally stoic. And um, then one day I heard, when I went away to college, actually, um, I guess I was a little older about that. I went away to college at 17, that my mom called me and told me that he had jumped off the George Washington Bridge. And I was like, my God, I never realized how depressed people could get. And so that was kind of one of my first initiations with somebody that I knew dying. I had a a relatively big family of uh, adults also, where I had an older grandmother and two older grandmothers and aunts and uncles. And um, we had about 25 years together. And then all of a sudden, 
people started dying. One grandmother died at 99. Another one died at 98. Both aunts died within the next five years, one of cancer and one have a problem with a heart operation. Then my uncle, uh, age 82, who was very close to the family, he had a heart attack and my dad found him. And then it was down to my parents and my brother and I and the, then all our kids. And uh, things change. And then I had friends from high school. One of my best friends, he went to college. He was a Ivy League student. And I got a call. My mom said, one of your friends passed. I figured it was one of the crazy guys. And it wasn't. It was the most studious, uh, successful guy I knew. And he had an aneurysm. And bang, he was gone at age 19. And he would have been a really special person. But I guess... I guess he agreed ahead of time before coming into this life. As they say we do, we kind of make a plan, what we're going to learn, what we're going to experience, and how we're going to leave and when. Uh, and then, of course, you have free will, and then things can change. But a lot of times uh, people believe that we come into the, this life as, as a program and something we agreed to, and we agreed to meet certain people and have people play different roles so we can so we can learn. But anyhow, people started dying, and then I realized, wow, this is a fact of life. Everybody's going to go. And then one of my good friends from high school, another one passed. He just, bang, he had a heart attack. He dropped at age 49, and the same thing as his dad. And he had a big funeral, and people were lined around the block. And then uh, in his, uh, he had all cases of Budweiser and Jets memorabilia at his, uh, at his funeral. So everybody handles all these things differently. And then... And then it gets closer and closer to you. Um, about 10 years ago, my closest friend, a buddy I used to golf with all the time and really could relate to him on an intellectual and a spiritual level and different than the rest of my friends, even though we all hung around together, he had gotten prostate cancer and he passed. And within two hours, my pet, I had a, I've had a cockatiel for 23 years and she died and they both died within two hours of each other. And then it was devastating. And that night, I remember, I could feel the presence of my friend. I put my hand up high. I said, just, you know, give me a high five. And I told him that I loved him. I was going to miss him and thanked him for all the time together. And sure enough, I felt, I felt his hand on mine briefly. So it depends on your faith. It depends on what you believe. But death, for most of us, is not the end. The, death, the body dies. If you've ever been to a funeral or a wake, you see the body there, and it's like the person you knew is not there. Um, maybe they're floating around watching, but you can tell that the body is a vessel. It's a husk, and the person's gone. They're, they're gone to the next dimension or whatever your beliefs are, but they're not there. So we're going to get into all of that. And then the, the, the other thing, the one other thing I want to mention is then ultimately all of us face the abyss ourselves. About five years ago, I was out running. I had tremendous pain in my left side. I came home. I had to go to the doctor, and uh, long story short, I found out that I had a growth. I had a kidney a stone, and I also had a growth, a small growth on each kidney. I was going to require to have robotic surgery, and then I did, and they weren't sure if I was going to lose one of the kidneys, and I didn't, and everything worked out fine, and I'm 100%, and that's all in the past. But that was the first time where I looked into the future. I had a one-year-old kid at the time, and I was like, wow, is this it? Is this curtains, and how am I going to handle it if it is? Uh, well, it wasn't, but I went through the process, and I realized that we all have to take kind of accountability in charge of ourselves and participate in the process of our healing, and that we can change whatever contracts or agreements we have made before we got into this life. We can do that, 
um, but we have to have the intention to do so. So anyhow, long story uh, made long here, but it's all about passing and what happens and how we can keep that communication going. My dad passed a year ago. I, I, I feel his uh, presence and I know I had to let him go, which I did. And now I get some information from him every so often, but I know he's around. I know he's doing his thing. I hope he's having a great time. And I feel as close to him as ever, even though physically I don't get to see him anymore in this lifetime, but I still love him and I feel very close to him. So anyhow, we're going to get into all of that with our special guest, Joe McQuillan, and we'll be right back on Guys Guys Radio in a moment. Okay, welcome back to Guys Guys Radio. Robert Manny, your host. And as I mentioned, I have a very special guest today, Joe McQuillan. My search for Christopher on the other side is the name of a book he wrote. He went on a, well, let's put it this way. Joe lost his son. And uh, I think every parent's uh, nightmare is losing one of their children. I know I have a, I have a young boy and it would be devastating to me. And uh, he uh, approached this in a very inspirational way of actually getting into what happened and making contact with his son on the other side and strengthening, developing and actually strengthening their relationship over time and going on his own spiritual journey. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Joe. Um, he's, a, he's a regular guy. He's a guy's guy. He's been married for 27 years, a father, three amazing children. And uh, as you'll read in this book, he has one on the other side. He's on the board of the Inbalance Ranch Academy, a boarding school de- dedicated to helping troubled teens with addiction. So he's, he's helping out the cause. After the loss of his son, Christopher, in a canoe accident in January 2016, Joe began running a charity golf outing to benefit both uh, Inbalance Ranch and Penguin Players, a theater, theater troupe of disabled young adults. His story is fantastic and it's inspirational. He's really on a heroic journey. And I don't know if a lot of people could do what Joe is doing, has done and is doing. He's also a Bills fan, by the way. <laughs> and uh, we're going to bring him on the show right now. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Joe. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Robert. I really do. So uh, this is everybody's uh, you know, nightmare. You lose a child. And uh, your son, I think, was 21 at the time. Uh, Chris, you've been on this journey for the last couple of years leading up to the launch of this book. What happened and what inspired you to kind of do what you've been doing? Because it's a little bit of a different tack that a lot of people would take, uh, but it's certainly much more cathartic than curling up in a ball and saying, woe is me. You you took this straight on and you became, I think, a better man. Robert, I think if curling up in a ball and doing woe woe was me would have worked, I would have done that. Um, (laughs) You know, so don't give me too much credit. Um, You know, in December of uh, of 2015, uh, which was the Christmas vacation, uh, my son was home uh, from college, and he had a great group of college friends. He had a great group of local kids. And uh, so the final weekend was January of 2016. Uh, you know, they, they did you know, New Year's Eve and such. And and so it was the last weekend. Uh, it was a Saturday night before they were all going back to school. One of the boys' parents had a lake house in Lake Beulah, which is about an hour and a half north in Wisconsin. They all went up to kick up their heels a little bit. And to be honest with you, Sally and I thought, gee, this is better than, you know, all of them running around in the city of Chicago, you know, where it's a little dangerous. And uh, unfortunately, uh, 
you know, they all, they all, I guess I said, we're having a little fun and came back to the house and about 3 a.m., four of them went for a walk and walked by a boathouse and seemed like a good idea at the time. All four of them jumped in a three-man canoe and none of them made it back. Uh, that was January 3rd, 2016. So we just passed the, the, uh, the third anniversary. And uh, the amazing thing is, anniversary. it started off as an impromptu one after the first anniversary was this is the third anniversary and we had 30 kids at the grave at 2.30 in the afternoon on, at, at, at his grave on, on, on that day. And, uh, and it's been like that all three anniversaries. That's how much this kid touched people. Now, uh, you, you had mentioned in the book a few times that he'd had a, a couple of other near-death experiences. One time he, I think, fell down. I don't know if it was a well or whatever. but Mineshaft, so, yeah. Mineshaft. Um, what was it about Chris in your uh, uh, perspective? Uh, what made, made, him, made him a little bit different? And um, why do you think he his path, his journey went the way it went? Well, you know, something similar. You know, a lot of people ask me, after after uh, he crossed, gee, what were they thinking? And to be honest with you, I was you know I'm 33 years sober. I was a wild kid and uh, and a good heart like like my boy, but wild. So the thought of jumping in a canoe seemed like a, a, made total sense to me. I got it, you know, in roughhousing. I and, totally can get it. Right, and yeah. so um, you know the, what what made him different is that he was this wild, fun loving. Hardy boy, Tommy Bahama shirts in January. Uh, you know, he unfortunately gets that from his old man, but he was such a sweet kid and such a good soul. Um, now he's here's a kid that that read the power of now and digested it at 18 years old. You know, while running around, you know, and later on running around land sharks, uh, beer, and a Tommy Bahama shirt. So there were 2,000 kids at his, people at his at his wake. 2,000. You know, so, you know, that doesn't happen unless you've touched a bunch of people. And and, and what's proved out is, is that his spirit is is that strong and that caring and that loving that he's reaching out now. You know, I didn't intend to write this book, Robert. I, I sought out, I wanted to find out if there was some place my son would go to after he crossed. And if there was, I want to know how to, how to contact him. And if there wasn't, I wanted to scratch it off the list. You know, I'm a pretty common sense guy. And so all these notes, I took really, really copious notes. And, and I assumed that at some point I'd be sitting on a, on a rocking chair on a porch having a, a, a Romeo and Juliet Capulet you know, cigar and reading these notes to feel close to my son. And instead, a year after that, I got a message from him that said, Dad, you got you to gotta write a book and you got to help other dads who don't know that we're not gone. You know, they need to get connected. Now, uh for for our listeners, so you went your son passed and you you went through the uh, you know the protocols afterwards the funeral and everything. When did you uh, think about uh, wow am I'm, am I ever going to be in touch with him again? And how did that come about? You know that that to me is the the spark that set you off on this journey and actually strengthened your bond with your son. And I and I don't believe in coincidence. You know, uh, fifteen years earlier, sixteen years earlier on some either spiritual quest or curiosity. So I went and saw a medium. Her name was Nancine and Nancine Myers, and she was in the western suburbs of Chicago. And there was no sense of urgency. Everybody had kind of died in order. I had a brother that crossed early in the 70s by his own hand, but there was not, there was no big calling. But, but I think I just wanted to find out what was going on and, and find some 
I don't know, life's answers maybe. So I went and saw this medium and it was relatively mundane. The majority of the reading was uh, pretty mundane. I'm looking at my watch, I'm tapping my toes, getting ready to blow out of there. When she said to me, you know, your dad's here. And, and he says to tell you railroad and he's showing me a caboose. Now, all of a sudden I stopped. My dad spent 40 years on the railroad. There were five boys in the family. We all worked on the railroad during college. My uncle Bill was a railroader. My grandfather was a railroader. So we were, our family, the culture was railroad. You know, right behind me on my, my bookshelf with baseball caps on it is the Canadian Pacific Railroad Lantern because that's who we are. We're a blue collar family with, with, and, 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 and railroad was important. So when she told me this, all of a sudden I stopped and it was like, wow, okay. I, you know, dad didn't give me the secrets to the universe. He didn't say anything. Iron Joe was his nickname on the railroad. Just wanted me to know that he was there. That was it. And I filed that away and drew on that um, you know, mental file 16 years later when I wanted to contact Nancine about what happened to Christopher. Where's Christopher's spirit? What did they do from here? I knew nothing. I got to tell you, I knew frigging nothing. So, you know, I walked in cold, called her not long after his, his crossing, and, and she was quite surprised that she was able to connect somebody who crossed over that early and told us things that nobody else knew, that nobody could have known. How how soon was this after his? A uh, couple of days after his crossing. Okay. Um, I, I reached out wow. to him. Like you said, there was, you know, it, that first week was just a, an absolute, uh, I was walking, I, 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 I was sleepwalking, right? I was just trying to get through it. And there was, there was the body coming back. There was getting a grave. There was reception. There was the funeral itself. There was right. the internment, all of that stuff. And, and so I just kept marching through left foot, right foot. But I do remember hitting my knees. And like I said, I'm sober, so I have a, I'm sober 33 years, so I have a bit of a spiritual connection that, that I have a, a faith in a God. And because I had such a loving dad, it was easy to have a belief in a, in a heavenly father, right? But I would hit my knees and I'd say, you know what, thanks for another day of sobriety, thanks for my family, but I'm PO'd, you took my kid, man. You know, you know so I just want you to know that. We're not all good, you and me. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and about the fourth night, I got a, I got a message when I was curled up in the bed that just said, I didn't take your son. Your son's free will and recklessness caused him to come home early. I welcomed him home, you know, but I don't move you guys around like chess pieces, you know. Um, Remember, I lost a son too. So at that point, I knew that instead of his heavenly advocate, you know, pulling levers, that that this this was the reason I was able to function this week, you know, because of a loving father. And what did Chris have to say to you that first uh, contact? The first contact with Nancine, he was—he'd said he was really sorry. He, he, you know, and that went on for for the first six months was that he was really sorry. And then, eventually, which was great, is that he made—he, you know, he claimed his death. He made peace with it, and he—it was important to him that he knew that it was a dumb accident. Now, I'm from an Irish Catholic family, so there's always secrets and. And you know, an occasional suicide and alcoholism. You know what I mean. And uh, and so he, it was important for for us to know that it was none of that. He was happy when he went. He wanted his mom and I to know that it was painless. It was like passing out. He wanted his mom to know that he was in love when he died. And and I thought it was this recent crush he had at college. This Maggie, who's just a doll too. And and uh, you know, I've met at the grave a number of times with all the guys and and gals from Northern. 
But he said, no. And she said, Nancy said, no, no, this woman's name is starts with a C or a, 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 a K or a hard C. Or, her name's Claire. Well, Claire Clark was uh, of somebody he'd grown up with and they'd been best, you know, very, very close friends. And they never crossed into romance because neither one of them wanted to risk it because they were so close and they were both, you know, not ready to settle down. So, but he wanted his mom to know that he was in love when he died. Um, then we talked about what happened. They talked about the clothes being layered, talked about the Timberland boots, you know, um, you know, they talked about the, the three friends not coming back, but that they all crossed together. You know, it, it was an amazing um, reading, and you just wanted to hold on to every word. And, and you know, you can't call back every day. That's not right, how this yeah, stuff right. works, right? You know, it's like, you know, you know, so I would hold on and wait for, you know, for the, the following month so I could t- touch again. And and this went on until I, I needed to, to, to look into the eyes of somebody who was then communicating with my son. So what this taught me was, this is real. This stuff is real. There's another side. Somebody walks from one room to the other. They're still there. It's 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 a bad deal. It's no, nothing like hugging and, and saying, you know, Merry Christmas, Dad, you know, and a hug and a kiss. But, but there's some communication there, and that energy isn't gone. It's going to be with me until I cross. But the next step for me was looking into the face of somebody looking at my son. You know, in the spirit, you know, they're energy, but they take on form so that mediums can or us can understand, you know, and can mm-hmm. comprehend. And and in his prime, I think he'll always come as a 21 year old, Robert, okay. because that's when he was in his prime. Um, let's talk a little bit about Joe for our listeners. Um, what ha- have been uh, then and moving forward, uh, Chris, uh, Chris's experience on the other side and getting acclimated with um the different dimension that he's in and um you know the aspect of there is no time there and uh and then how he uh you could let's start there what, okay. what's going on over there who's there who met him what happened to his friends how does he spend his quote-unquote days that type of thing awesome okay so he told me that all four all four of them crossed one had a more difficult time that was the extent of it didn't want to get into details but they, they're all over there. They don't spend a lot of time together, but see each other over there. He said, both by Nancine and by a guy named Thomas John, who's this world-famous yeah. medium. Yes, who's I've a, spoken to him. Thomas amazing. Yeah. I mean, Thomas is like Mickey yes. Mantle, bro. Yeah. He says, mm-hmm. so both of them had mentioned my need. And so for anybody trying to not connect the dots, Carrie was born Carrie Ryan. Her, you know, My sister married Jimmy Ryan, and that was their, their baby. And in 2013, she, she had an aneurysm left two beautiful uh, little adopted boys. She couldn't have kids. They adopted two Korean boys, babies, left two, left two boys. And at the funeral, Chris came up to me and said, I'm staying. And I said, what do you mean you're staying? We went home to Buffalo for the, for the funeral. She lived in Buffalo. And he said, you know what? They don't have any plans to how they're going to do childcare. Bill's got to work. So until they work that out, I'm going to stay. And he did that. He stayed for two months and nannied these kids. He was 19 years old. And he nannied these two kids, and they just adore him. And uh, so Thomas, so, so Nancy said, Carrie greeted him. As a matter of fact, he said, Chris was surprised and said, Carrie, what are you doing here? You know, because he didn't quite understand. Um, but Carrie greeted him. And then Thomas John has come back and said to me, he was greeted by a niece who died in 2012, 2013, or his cousin. Her name was Carrie. She left two boys. 
Ryan and Alex. I mean, talk about specific. There was not a whole, you couldn't, by the way, you know, go try to connect me to those, to my niece and her two boys. It's not there. You know, you know, it doesn't exist. So, um, you know, so what he tells me about the other side, and we continue to have this conversation is that, you know, he'll tell me it's always warm. Well, the kid never liked the cold anyhow. You know, he was at Northern University, Northern Illinois University after spending time in the desert. And I think he, he missed that weather, but You know, it, he said, it's it's a beach, Dad. It's a beautiful beach. It's always warm. It's like walking through the surf. He said, you know, the, the blues and greens and the air is like love. He said, it's love air. And he said to me, some of this stuff I'm going to tell you, you're not going to really comprehend until you cross, but just trust me. So I take it that from meetings with other mediums and from talking to Chris directly, that heaven or paradise, whatever you want to call it, is your version of what is heaven a paradise? Sally's father, uh, who's passed, uh, and not to be confused with her, you know, her, her step, her stepfather, who was the grandfather of my kids. But Sally's father, who passed, was a collector. He went to Harvard. He's a hunter. So when he comes through, that's his heaven. That's what he's talking about: upland bird hunting and talks all about collecting. So it appears to me that it's what you want, you know. And and Chris said to me, "Look, Dad, I was surprised." You know, this was all kind of new to me when I crossed, and it took me a while. He said, you're going to be more prepared for it. It'll be less of a learning curve because of what I'm telling you. You'll be more prepared. He said, so it's going to be easier for you. You know, when you cross, you'll know what to expect. Now, he, uh, you guys used to smoke cigars together and yeah. play golf and have yeah. a land shark, whatever. Did yeah. he mention, can, can you uh, indulge in any of that stuff on the other side? He, still, he is golfing, and... Uh, he said it was the one thing that we were doing together that was coming together on this side. You know, he he, he uh, you know suffered from the family family malady of of addiction, and so uh, we were always worried about depression. And and mm-hmm. although he, party boy on the outside, it always concerned us. He had sober for a couple of years, and in Balance Ranch. So what he's also told me is there's no dis. You know, he had a learning disability, which I think comes from his old man's side of the family too. But he said. Uh, he said, you know, there's no, I'm the smartest guy in the room now. There's no disability. You know, he said, there's no addiction. You know, I'm happy. You know, I talked to a wonderful, I don't know if you've ever met Tony Russo. She's, she's just, yeah. I, I just got connected with her. An amazing meeting out of New York. And she said, look, the whole families, they're all together, which is what every medium's told me. But she said, so here's what Chris said to you that you should know about the other side. It's a family party. With, with food and, and drinks and he can smoke weed mm-hmm. and he said and it's Jimmy Buffett music and nobody has to pick up a tab and he said and we're all here dad meaning you know I'm the youngest of 10 kids so I've got I've got four siblings five siblings on the other side and one's about to transition probably today his godmother have you guys gotten into um, if there's no time on the other side and that um, we kind of get recycled at a specific time you go on to your next uh your next um, portion of the journey, whatever it is, has he related to you or you guys had any conversations about, well, it's time I'm going to go and uh, reincarnate or anything like that? Great. Yes. And and I was panicked about that, by the way, Bob, Mm -hmm. especially early on. I was panicked by the fact that what if we cross on the interstate, you know, right? If we struck on this, on this cosmic interstate, and the bottom line is, and, and from Jen Weigel, I don't know if you know Jen, but she's kind of like the Pied Piper here in the Chicago area, brings mediums together. Okay. She's written a few books. She's a really good gal. And we sat down, and, and she was close with Thomas John. 
And she said, look, the earliest a soul can transition is like 80 years on our time. So I don't have 80, so I'm good. And then second, Bob Olson wrote a book. Right. Mm-hmm. Bob Olson wrote a great book. Um, and and what Bob Olson said is that, uh, uh, there you go. What Bob Olson said is that, think of your soul as 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 like the lake, like Lake Michigan. And your spirit is like a wave in the lake. So even if Christopher comes back, it'll be of that same soul, but his spirit will always be on the other side as Christopher. And I've been told by uh, another wonderful medium, Andrew Anderson, a local guy, who was on Bob Olson's website, that's how I first looked him up, that, that you know, Christopher will I'll always be perceived as his spirit, as his father when I cross mm-hmm. over. So, and he's promised me that I'll he'll be there when I cross. Okay, so if uh, there, because I, I think you allude to this in the book about will you, you always be his father? So right. how, how do you address that? Well, you know what, and when when Chris when when Chris passed, you know, I I get a whole lot of, you know, I'm I'm so sorry for you. You know, this must be terrible. I'm you know, and and thank you for for those feelings. But the bottom line is, I got to be his dad on this side for 21 years. It was the greatest job in the world, Bob. Greatest job in the world, mm-hmm. right, Robert? It's, it's, and so I feel sorry for anybody, anybody that wasn't his father, right? So don't feel bad for me. I got, to, I got to have this gift for 21 years on this side and forever on the other side. So he said to me, clear as day, you'll, you know, it'll be like when we were in Tucson together, Dad or Scottsdale, we'll be together again, you know? Mm-hmm. You and me. Now, now uh, the way you guys communicate now, from what I understand from reading the book, is that he he contacts you. And yeah. I, th- I think that's an important distinction to make because he, he's really doing what he's doing for you. I, that was my take on it, Joe. Uh, I say that respectfully, that this is more for you than it is for him because he's there and it's great. And he doesn't want you to feel bad about things because he's in a special, special place. Talk to us a little bit about that. Great question. So, you know, he's a compassionate kid, always was. When he was a little kid, and he was a terrible student. <laughs> we could we had to fight to get him to school. But he, he, one of his pals, neighborhood kid that we loved, was diabetic and he had to get an insulin shot in the middle of the day. And Chris would leave school, leave the class with this kid to help him administer his class. And this is when he's nine years old, 10 years old, to help administer this shot. So he and this kid could do it. And the kid didn't feel like he was, you know, left alone. That's what kind of kid he was. So the bottom line is, I think that he's compassionate and has a calling to make sure that other dads aren't left in the lurch, right? Mm -hmm. That he talked, he showed me what's going on. Now, he busts my stones, Robert. He makes me, he made me complete this book. And when I would kind of get bogged down and and want to shut down and just feel sorry for myself, I'd get a message from him that says, come on, dad. You know, you can't fold. You can't go into the rabbit hole. You know, you need to, you need to finish the book. And you need to help other people. You know, there's other dads that need to know that their kids are, are still right here. So okay. um, that's who he is. Now, when you, uh, what was the process like of uh, going to different mediums? Why did you go to different mediums? Um, did you get different kind of uh, takes on uh, the process and the information using different mediums? And... If people, other folks want to uh, pursue a similar journey as yours um, with somebody, a loved one, um, what what are the uh, criteria they should use when uh, working with a medium? 
Okay, so why do I go to other meetings? And I do this to this day, three years mm-hmm. in, a couple, you know, a week ago, ten days ago, I, I I met and heard about and put in touch with with this Tony Russo. And I I texted Tony and said, love a reading. She goes, good, I can fit you in sometime mid-March. And I said, you know, I mean, I have AED, bro. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I could be dead in March, right. you know? So I said, I said, by the way, I'd like to apologize for my son who's going to be intruding on you when you start looking through your calendar. She texts me back. She goes, oh my God, he's a powerful spirit and he's so mm-hmm. sweet and cute. She said, he looks like Brad Pitt. And mm-hmm. okay, so... You know, a week later, we, we, we at 11 o'clock at night, she fit me in and we did it. So why do I go to other mediums is because why do I go to other restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can go get a Ruth Chris steak every night if I want. I couldn't afford it, actually. But I'd love that. But I don't. Sometimes I'd like some Chinese or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a good man of God sure. comes mm-hmm. in, right? So, and I also feel like mediums are like relief pitchers, right? Or, or, or chefs. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes their skills are just honing. They're getting better at it. You know, and I want different perspectives, and that's what I and I do. You know, um, one of the coolest ones I read the, is a guy named Andrew Anderson. I got that up Bob Olson's website, and he was mm-hmm. in the western suburbs, half hour away. I thought, fine, this is convenient. You know, so I booked forty five minutes. My office is in the city, but I was working from home before I went down. So I stopped at his grave, which I do all the time. And I had just moved him from one grave over to another. You know, which is another story altogether. And and I'll occupy that spot that he was in. I didn't like it. And so I moved him over one. So this is June 30th. And there was loose. So the, the, he had been moved over a couple of days earlier. So the, the the dirt was still pretty loose or a week earlier. So it was loose. So I thought it was a good opportunity. I'd ordered some shamrock seeds and I planted shamrock seeds all around his outside of his grave around the bottom. And before I left the house, I, I went to a jewelry box and grabbed a, a leather bracelet he gave me when he was five or six from Disney World. It said, uh, we were all there on a vacation. It said, uh, you know, dad on it. I had Goofy on the clasp. It's now on my uh, on my steering wheel. So I keep it with me all the time. So those things I just did kind of mm-hmm. in preparation. Went inside, Andrew had no idea what to expect. You know, walked in. Andrew asked me to bring pictures, but didn't said, don't tell me anything. So he said to me, hey, Chris, Chris is here. He's gorgeous. He said, uh, he acknowledges that you were planting something in his grave recently, like real recently. What was that? And I said, you know, shamrock seeds. He said, acknowledge that you're an under my cuff. Acknowledges you're wearing a bracelet he gave you. And that was the goofy bracelet. Now that's five minutes in, Robert. Five minutes in. And this continued on like a Gatling gun for the better part of 40 minutes, 45 minutes. So he wh- continued. So what what do you, what would you be your advice for other people who are uh, uh, need to uh, go through the grieving process in a similar way or want to? Um, what would be the criteria for qualifying as to who to work with? Great. So first of all, I don't think there's charlatans out there. I think there's probably inept uh, uh, mm-hmm. mediums or or not as good, and I think there's great ones, and and. Oft times, not always, oft times the great ones come with a hefty price tag, you know, but not always. And I, I say this. So I think it's the same way you'd find a mortgage broker or a dentist or a lawyer is referrals. You know, you know if there's helping parents online, you know, uh, and there's all kinds of resources. But I think the personal referral. So, you know, this there's a woman named Sherry Jewell, who's a, a, a great gal that I met through through uh, uh, Jen Weigel. And she's become kind of a pal. And Christopher is, anytime I see her, Christopher's around her. And she tells me things that 
nobody else knows about fishing, about being in Florida together, about Jimmy Buffett songs. So I think the best way to do this is a be open to it, right? If it doesn't work, then 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 move on. But mm-hmm. but you know there are a lot more people who've lost people than you know. You know it's kind of like if you've ever had a miscarriage, right? You don't really know who it is until somebody talks about it. Then everybody who's had ones talking about it, right? So it's the same thing. If you've lost somebody and you've attempted to find through this this venue a contact, you're going to get the name of some good ones. You know what? Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. want to know, you know, you know, jbmcquillen at gmail.com. You know, you okay. want some referrals, I'll help you. Okay. Um, how cathartic has the experience been for you wor- working with the mediums? And at, at a certain point, have you considered... Okay, I don't. I don't need these guys anymore. I have the direct co- connection with Chris. Why? Why do I need mediums anymore? Okay, so first of all, it's amazingly cathartic, you know. And and the, the second half is, second part of the question is, sometimes it's not. I mean, sometimes it's so painful because you're in it. But the alternative is not having Chris in my life, which is a horrible alternative, right? So, it was amazingly cathartic. I would be, I think, a shell of myself if this hadn't continued. I don't know if. You know, that would have been the person that I'm today if if I hadn't been able to keep touch with my kids. In the same way, I keep touch with my other two kids who are in college. You know, I I need to know where they are. You know, they're gonna be, they're gonna duck me occasionally when they're misbehaving, but I want to know where they are. And uh, and so it's it's been really cathartic for me to do this, and 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 an, an important aspect of my spiritual growth. It gave it gave me hope, and I didn't do this to put a salve on this so I could feel better about myself or feel better about it and pretend this is it. I'm not whistling past the graveyard. I know that this is now real and this is the message I need other people to get. Now, um, the the process of uh, closure or not closure or understanding that there is no real closure. I mean, sometimes we have to close some things off, understanding that it's a continuum. We just keep going. I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a little bit different from everybody. You've been on okay. this journey. I'm going to give you an example. My dad passed almost a year ago today, and uh, I felt a strong pull. I had closure with him before he passed in a very good way. I thanked him. I got to look into his eyes and thanked him sincerely for everything he had done for me, and I loved him very much. I said, you're a great dad. Thank you. He had he passed, and uh, I did the eulogy at his uh, funeral, and uh, I felt great about him, and I felt like I could reach out to him all the time, reach out to him all the time. And I was working with somebody in the metaphysical area, as I do with the show, and she said, you know, she didn't know nothing about this, and she said, you know, your your dad's, did you lose somebody? And I said, yeah. She said, he's he's asking you, He's got to get adjusted. You you have to let him go. And uh, this thing I'm wearing around my neck, uh, he said he he that's something that's going to protect you. And uh, he he's holding it out for you. Um, I'm like okay, but you have to let him go. And I went through a process of letting him go. And what I found, Joe, was that uh, it wasn't really letting him go. It was like my not being as as needy for him. And by doing that. I, and I did let him go. I said, you got to go out there and have fun. I said, I'm here. You were great. Don't worry about anything. And uh, I have found now he pops in either through right. my wife who has strong sp- spiritual skills or he'll come to me at certain times. And it's great. The relationship's never been better. So I guess my point is, um, would you agree that everybody can kind of adjust their process um, to continue the relationship and find closure in areas that need closure um, in their own way. Absolutely. And I think that 
for an example, early on, Chris's message was, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Later on, the message was he's made peace with that. You know, that's, he's, he's no longer feels guilty about causing the pain that he causes through. Um, I also think every spirit's different. It depends, you know, old souls, new souls. So there's a period of attunement, not atonement. I don't think we atone for our sins. There's attunement. And that was a term that Nancy gave me where they have to go through this, which is why she wouldn't let me call her every four days. You know, she goes, dude, he's right. got stuff to do. Leave him alone. Right. Exactly. Right? Right? Yeah. He'll get to you. And that's why when it's time for me to talk to him, there's times I'm, you know, I'll hang by the grave and we'll, we'll, we'll just chat and, ha- and I'll have a, and I'll have a, um, a capulet, you know, uh, uh, in a magnum and, and we'll talk. And there's times I'll go to pick up, fold the chair and I'll get the message says, where are you going, pop? It was like the dude hadn't been talking to me for the 30 minutes I was there, but I start to go and now he's ready to talk. Well, I'm in, you know, so I, he calls out to me when he wants, because yeah. I'm always ready to talk, right? But I feel him all the time. I feel him in the Jeep. I feel him at the grave. You know, here's a funny one, because it's not in the book. I went and visited my sister, who I said was his godmother, and she, unbel- she, she had unbelievable love for me when I wasn't lovable. And she had the same love for my son. She just adored him and completely accepted him. And he adored her. It was like the one adult other than his mom and I that he trusted and maybe one other, but, but he adored her so much. So she's, she's, I'm, you know, I'm, my, my, my nephews text me now. I stopped, I went by last weekend, uh, flew down to Naples because I wanted to say goodbye while she was still lucid. So I had gone back earlier in, in December and, uh, I'm on a beach in Naples, which is he and I connect on on beaches and because that's just the way it is, specifically in Florida. I just feel this closeness to him. And I'm having a cigar on the beach and I get a message that says, go up to Sarasota. It's a four-hour round trip, right? Just under four hours. But would I spend four hours to spend time with my kid? And the answer is, of course I would. So I did. I went up there, felt him on the beach. I'm up there at midnight, laying on the sand, just felt him all over me. It was wonderful. Felt him right next to me, felt mm-hmm. his spirit, looked at the stars. It was amazing. And the truth of the matter is, I think he was turning to his buddies on the other side going, see, I told you the old man was going to show up, you know? Wow. And then I went back and I, and you know, that's just, that's what he wanted me to do. And I was all in, you know? And I don't think if I was supposed to be somewhere, uh, an obligation for my wife or the other kids, that he would have sent me this message. So, you know, it, it's about, I'm going to connect any way I can. And I also think it's not just chatting him and I, I think I thought it was, but I think for him, it's, this is supposed to turn into something, mm-hmm. you know, and basically what he's told me through the entire time and continuously is that for some reason, it's okay for women to, to, to grieve and to have support groups and to have many breakdowns over grief, but guys are supposed to suck it up, right? And he's telling me, dad, you're kind of a boots on the ground kind of guy. You're the messenger that says, it's okay. It's okay to find, you know, to seek out your your loved ones. It's okay to connect with them. It's okay to, you know, have little breakdowns, you know, with, with, about him, that there's a mission involved in this thing. To be honest with you, I was scared to death that when I finished the book, our connection would diminish. And and it and he's told me, Dad, we're going to stay this close until you cross. You had a unique bond, obviously. You and Chris have a unique bond, and right. you have other you have other kids and right. a wife. So how does that all how does that all worked out? You know what, Sally? Um, 
surprisingly, and I didn't know what to expect when, when I kind of came to her and said, here's what's going on. And she had first contacted Rebecca Rosen right after I was talking to Nancine. And she flew out to Denver. Her friend Janet set this up. And my brother-in-law came through to her, <laughs> my pushy, you know, my, my mom. It was like she was tired of these pushy McQuillans coming through her reading. And then Chris came through and was really strong. And this was March. This was two months after he had, you know, just over, you know, two and a half months after he crossed. So she's completely on board. Uh, you know, she doesn't get the, she doesn't get the spirit writing. She doesn't get the channel writing. And I think that's just a gift that he and I, we kind of shared that on this life. He adored her, adored her. And, and, but we had this connection that was that special. So that's why it transcends this thing. And, you know, I'm supposed to get a message across. She's writing a book too. It's more about the the, the raising of a challenging kid and, and losing them than about the this aspect. But you know, she's been with me to Thomas John a couple in October. How about your other kids? How do, how do they take this whole thing? Be uh, is there any? Forgive me. Are they like, Please. hey, Dad, I'm here. You know, like. Oh yeah, sure there is. You know what? I got to tell you something. Chris was a handful. So in, in some regards, especially with my, my daughter and, and her, both these kids, you know, that's their story and how they grieve. And, but both of them, I think, have had some contact. William, one of them a little more than the other. But I think Caroline has expressed like, you know, he got all the attention when he was here. And now he's, you know, he's gone. And he's still getting all the attention. <laughs> you know, so we, we do our best to make sure that we, they know that they are adored, which they are. And I would jump through hoops and, and walk through hell for both of them. Uh, William has gone to see mediums and come back with amazing stories. Car Caroline's had a couple of connections herself. You know, so their process is getting their own. And it's like, I think it's kind of like being, you know, a member of AA. If you need to know some answers, come to me. Mm -hmm. But it's attraction rather than promotion. You know, I'll, you come to me when you want to talk about this stuff. Got it. Um, you, the, the notion of family, there's the earth family, and then uh, they talk about the soul family on the other side, right. where we have a, a group out there, and similar to the, you know, you're the wave and you're the ocean. Talk to us a little bit about your communication with Chris and about Chris's soul family, and if you guys are in the soul, the same soul family, or is he have a separate soul family, and we don't have to get that personal about it. Right. The, the concept itself, at least. Yep. So, no, people, so people understand it. A, you know, I'm in his soul family, so I'd be happy to tell you all about it. If I wasn't, maybe I'd be a little shyer about the kind. And by the way, I'm a big boy. So if there's any questions, I'm, I'm not shy. I'm, I'm willing to talk about it. So I had one medium actually tell, us, tell me, and I had no idea what it was, that Chris and I were twin flames. So I looked that up and it, that helped, you know. Um, soul family, yes. We're, we're, we're in the same soul family. Like I said, we saw Thomas John in October. And there were 75 people and he was on the other side of the room and he kept saying, you know, there's this family members keep showing up one at a time. And he goes, there's another one. There's another one. And my wife pokes me in the side and says, you know, that's your family. You know? And so finally he stops and said, okay, who lost a brother named Jerry? And I raised my hand. He said, all right, your niece Carrie's here. Your brother Billy's here. Your brother Bobby's here. He said, did your older sister, Pat, just cross over a couple of years ago? I said, yeah. She goes, all right. And your son, Chris, is making bunny ears behind her head, right? So he just named every, you know, people on my family who are on the other side, you know, other than mom and dad. They're not, you know, they're together a lot, but specifically mom and dad come together for events. So when there's a family event, they join together on the other side because that's what they choose to do. You know, so if your bond was close here, mm -hmm. Your bond will be close there. If you were from a family that wasn't close, 
you're probably not going to spend a lot of time with them on the other side. You know, in every family, you know, you're going to go home for Thanksgiving or whatever, and it's like, oh, no, I hope Uncle Jerry, you know, behaves himself. Or so, or you don't get along with a certain family member. Right. I'm wondering uh, if you guys got into this discussion at all. What happens on the other side if you have a family member that, uh, you know, you really didn't get on with? Do you, are you, do you find some type of common ground there? Or maybe you just don't see them. I mean, do you get to try to choose what your reality is? The, the the funny thing is I had never really thought of that until you were talking about it. And then I processed and did it in my head. The nice sister that I wasn't, we didn't get along. She didn't like me much. I didn't like her much. She's, you know, she helped, it happens. It's, you know, she helped me get sober, but we had some issues all the entire life. You know, never once has she come up in a reading. Never once has a medium said that she's here. So that tells me it's, I didn't invite her to my wedding and she's not inviting me to her afterlife. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really right. think that's how it works. It's an all volunteer thing. You know, I get, I've been told by three mediums that mom and dad are both over there, but they're not together over there. They come together for family functions, mm-hmm. you know, family things, celebrations, but they don't, they're not joined at the hip on the other side. Why? I don't have a clue. But you know what I mean? Maybe they just had enough of the 40 years or, you know, 48 years they were together in, on this side, but they don't spend time together. So the all I can figure, and remember, I don't ask him a lot of questions. I've done it a few times. Mostly I'm just dictating, right? He's mm-hmm. giving me stuff and I'm writing it down. So what's next for you, Joe? You're doing great work all around and particularly you're bringing awareness to the fact that life doesn't end as we know it. And I think that's fantastic. But what, so what are you going to do with all of this now? You know, A, we got to continue to do things like with you. We got to get this out there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's locally, it's really taken off, which is great. You know, the book is selling. You can get it on Amazon.com. It's called My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. I think there's going to be continuously discussions with groups, you know, mm-hmm. who've lost, had lost. You could help a lot of people, Joe, with that. That's, that's you know what? I still got to make a living, which I'm doing, but I'm attempting. This is what he's, this is what he's telling me I'm supposed to do with the, with the time I've got left. I'm into a second book. It's called Now What? And and Now What basically is where I left off. And there's, I just scratched the surface. There's a whole bunch. I don't know anything about past life regressions. There's a, uh, you know, there's a, a term that I stole from a, a, a guy named John Holland. So I just read this guy's book and he talked about places where, where the veil is thinner and he and made reference to thin places. So I'm going to steal that term and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Inbalance Ranch in, 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 in March for their fundraiser. And then I'm going to go up, up north in the desert. And, and there's some spiritual places, um, in, you know, in, in the desert. And uh, I'm going to Lilydale in the summer. So I also want to experience, I've experienced Siesta Key and Lido Key in Sarasota by accident. I stumbled on it, mm-hmm. but I was really pushed in that direction. So there's a whole bunch of those places I want to know about. And so, you know, so that somebody's three years behind me on the journey can pick up a book and look at and say, hey, I, wow, I get it, you know? So that's what's next, helping people and, and, and finding out more about, you know, this place on the other side that I've just kind of cracked the door on. I've just, mm-hmm. I just stuck my head in and looked, you know? Well, you've done fantastic work, Joe. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. And I think your your idea of continuing your work and helping people is a really good one because people in this area need help. Uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people in America are emotionally constipated and they don't know how to handle <laughs> grieving. I noticed right. when I went to my dad's funeral, a lot of people were just, they didn't, they didn't know how to just grieve, just let right. it out. And it's sad 
and people, the way we look at death, and particularly, you know, as Christians, uh, uh, Christian Judeo uh, traditions in this country, it's just, it's, we don't, we don't, re- we don't handle it the right way a lot of times. I um, mean, it's not anybody's fault. It's just, it's an emotional uh, constipation that a lot of people have. So, I agree, he, and it's that we're still, you know, they're still there. We've got to wake up. We've got to try harder. We got to go first. We've got to. You did it with your dad, right? So if people have said to me, Robert, you know, my mom was gone for two years. I haven't heard from her, and I say, try harder. You know, what have you done to open yeah. up that connection? You know. Mm-hmm. Great work, Joe, and uh, my pleasure. Great meeting you. My pleasure. Thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio, and we're here to get the word out for you. So keep it up, and uh, my best to Chris, and uh, you guys have an inspirational bond. So give my and give my best to your dad, my friend. I will. All right. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Our special guest has been Joe McQuillan. The name of his book is My Search for Christopher on the Other Side. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. That was a fantastic talk with Joe McQuillan. It just shows you with faith and intention and believing that there's more to life than what happens in this 3D dimension that we're in and when we pass that our spirit moves on and it is uh, something that's accessible to other folks. So uh, keep that in mind and uh, you have to decide on your own, of course, what your beliefs are and how you're going to roll. But this is Guys Guys Radio, the place where, where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. We're on KCAA every Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Pacific time 106.5 102.3 fm 10:50 a.m we're also on TuneIn, stitcher speaker blog talk radio there's over 350 podcasts there all you can download them all for free itunes iheart radio now we're on nationwide so on itunes if you could rate us review and subscribe that would be a big help this whole guys guys movement where men and women can be at the best everyone wins started with my novel the guys guys guide to love it's a rom-com it's about two guys in advertising competing for love sex power and money it's been called the male sex in the city you can pick it up on amazon or any place where books are sold my website is robert manny m-a-n-n-i.com i've got over 350 blog posts there and everything about life love and the pursuit of happiness and also you can uh, contact me on facebook twitter instagram and all those social media media sites. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And remember, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.